This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Away. Away makes first-class luggage at coach prices that allow you to charge your phone on the go. For $20 off your order, go to awaytravel.com slash fool and use the promo code fool. That's awaytravel.com slash fool, promo code fool. F is in football, O-O-L. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. You're listening to the Financials Edition, taped today on Monday, March 13th, 2017. My name is Gabby LaPera, and joining me on the phone is Dylan Lewis, the Industry Focus tech host. Hey. How's it going, Gabby? Good. How about you? Doing okay. I'm calling you more specifically from my hotel room in Austin on a landline, which is, I can't remember the last time I used a landline phone. Um, Me neither. Actually, <laughs> um, so I know that you are in Austin, Texas. You're there for South by Southwest. Can you talk a little bit about what that is for our listeners who aren't familiar? Yeah, South by Southwest is an annual conference, and uh, you kind of have the mix of music, art, and then emerging tech, uh, which is very much the culture in Austin. And so we go every year. This is my second year going with The Fool. And really, we just kind of check out what's going on. What are some of the nascent technologies that Companies are spending some some time investing in, putting some big resources behind, and um, you know some things that might be changing the landscape of a lot of the industries that we focus on every day. Awesome. Um, so, listeners, get used to hearing Dylan. I hope you like him. I know I do, because uh, this, this the shows this week are going to be a little bit different. He's going to be joining each one and talking a little bit about how tech is seeping into all of our sectors and like what the maybe next big thing is in each sector. Uh, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, it will be less of an investing-focused week, um, not so much in the nuts and bolts of, say, accounting and things like that, a little bit more talking about emerging tech. Thankfully, uh, premium analyst Simon Erickson is also going to hop on the podcast. He's going to handle, I think, the healthcare episodes and the energy industrial show on Thursday. So, you won't have to hear my voice too much. Oh, well, I forgot about Aust- or, um, about Simon. That'll be really good, too. And I'm sure you're breathing a sigh of relief, because I know healthcare is not exactly your thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> Simon has a lot more interesting things to say about healthcare than I do. That's okay. I know you have plenty of interesting things to say about financials, so I am glad to have you on my show. Um, so, today's topic is about disruption in the payment space, and you attended a session called Payments Gone Viral, The Rise of Social Commerce. Can you tell us a little bit about about like the general premise and tell us a little bit about who was there? Yeah, the two folks that I was really interested in on the panel were Hans Morris, who is someone that is uh, kind of a long-term member of the payment space. Uh, he's currently a VC. Um, he's at Nike Partners, but uh, he has extensive experience working in payments at Visa and Citi. And also Kahina Van Dyke, who is at Facebook, and she works in the consumer financial services and payments and commerce side of their business, which I think a lot of people don't even realize exists. And so it was definitely very interesting to hear the two of them weigh in on what is going on with um, social platforms and payments and, and kind of how that relates to some of the industry stalwarts, you know, like the payment processors, the credit card companies, and the banks. Yeah. Um, what, what is social commerce? It's, it's basically layering on a lot of the financial services or money exchanging that we're used to doing with banks on platforms that we tend to think of more for social. So, you know, Messenger allows for peer-to-peer. That, that's uh, Facebook Messenger, folks. What's that? <laughs> that's Facebook Messenger, just in case you weren't sure which one. Sorry, AOL, I realize, I, realize I need Messenger. to do a little bit less insider tech. Um, <laughs> no, that, that's, that's a great clarification. Sorry about that. Um, but Facebook Messenger allows for peer-to-peer 
uh, processing of payments, and, and really they're not doing the processing, um, though the optics for a user might be. They're really just enabling uh, people to transfer money back and forth and kind of leaning on the legacy systems. And that was really what a lot of this talk was about. I think one of the things really early on that kind of set the tone for me was Han said, if you're thinking about getting into the payment space, whether you are a big tech company or a new kind of fresh starter looking to disrupt the space, don't compete with other forms of electronic payments. Compete with cash or with transactions that just don't happen. And his thought here is there's so much going on. There, there's so much money that's been invested in the infrastructure to support payment processing. You're not going to unseat those people. What you are going to do is collect a decent amount of the market and, and a meaningful market share if you're able to replace cash and take what would be offline transactions digital, or um, if you're able to enable transactions that wouldn't happen. So, so making it easier when um, you know, people might not have money or, or making uh, a more kind of streamlined, a little bit less friction type process um, that uh, eliminates some of the barriers for transactions that don't happen now. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's really interesting that what he said was that it's brutally tough to compete with the legacy payment processors. And of course, there he's talking about companies like Visa or MasterCard or even American Express. Um, these companies have giant moats. Like they have these crazy international systems. And the thing about Visa and MasterCard is that the more users they have, the more merchants they're going to have because the merchants have an interest in. Um, in providing a service that, that lets people give them money easier. And of course, that kind of creates this like self-fulfilling cycle where the more merchants you have who have Visa, the more you know customers you have Visa. Um, and in tech, uh, to, to bring it back around and use a tech term, we'd call that the network effect, right? I mean, it's, it's no different than the idea that Facebook as a platform is more valuable because there are more users on Facebook. And so with every incremental user, you know, if if you only have four friends on Facebook, then how valuable is it for you to be on there? If you have a thousand friends on Facebook and it's the way that you connect with people and that's how you plan, then it becomes a much more valuable and much more compelling um, value proposition for potential users. So, um, kind of the same mechanics at play. Definitely. Um, and one thing I want listeners to think about is, when was the last time you went into a merchant and you were like, oh no, they don't take whatever card I have in my wallet? I bet you can't remember a time unless they just didn't accept cards at all. Just those hip bars in DC that only collect cash. <laughs> those are the most fun ones, though. <laughs> they are the most fun ones, but you always have that pang of anxiety when it doesn't, <laughs> when you realize that you only have about ten bucks in your wallet. Which is okay because most of the time those bars are also the cheapest bars in DC, which is a hard thing to find. If if listeners are ever in DC, I have a couple recommendations for cheap bars. <laughs> um, something that's few and far between in DC for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think one of the reasons that I thought that this conversation was so interesting, though, is when you think about big tech companies coming into a space like payments, or you know, this is something we also see in driverless cars, right? Kind of getting into what we think of as manufacturing, which is <laughs> typically something that tech would stay away from. Um, you think about them coming in, disrupting, and possibly unseating the industry incumbents, and from this talk it sounded to me like there's just so much in the way for them to do that, and they have almost zero interest in doing it. And a lot of the tone that I got was, we're looking more for cooperative efforts and a little bit less for competitive efforts. 
which makes a lot of sense. Um, it's really interesting because Visa, especially, is trying to break into this like electronic wa- wallet space, um, and they're they're having some success, but not as much as like say Apple Pay has had or Venmo or any any of those other kind of like already online wallets. Um, and so there are uh, payment processors or that are looking to, to to team up with tech um, companies like Apple. So Apple actually doesn't do any of the payment processing. They are teamed up with Visa and MasterCard in order to do the payments. Which which really makes sense for them as a company because, and this is a point Kahina raised in the conversation, when you think about what goes into payment processing, you have risk, you have compliance, you have all of this regulatory stuff that you have to navigate. You know, If you're a tech company and this is kind of far afield from your core competency, why would you want to take on all those pressures? You know, Why wouldn't you just leave to someone that knows what they're doing, have them handle things like authentication, managing fraud, chargebacks, all of that, and just, annoy, just enjoy enabling purchases that might not happen otherwise on top of their systems? Yeah, um, and that's something that I think listeners, just in case you don't know, credit, credit card companies like Visa and MasterCard, they're not actually responsible for like holding on to your money or anything they're just the middlemen they're the people who like contact your bank and are like do they have enough money or like what what whatever their credit limit is and then they like help do the transfer between the merchant and the bank but they're not actually holding on to your money for you um and which is something that I don't <laughs> think I knew cuz I I have I don't know the financial space all that well um and frankly there were elements of this where I was like huh I didn't know that um but well, one of my big takeaways was Wow, the the moat that these credit card and kind of legacy financials companies have is massive because no one wants to go into building out that type of infrastructure. Yeah, you wanna you wanna hear some numbers? Absolutely. Okay, so in 2015, which is I think the latest that I have data on in front of me, um, Visa had 50% of the U.S. credit card market share by network purchase volume, wow. which is a lot. <laughs> um, Mastercard is trailing around like 25%. Um, the debit card market share by network purchase volume, Visa has, it, it's had a little dip and you know now it's only at 70%, but it used to be an 80. Um, MasterCard is hovering around 30. And market share based on number of credit cards in circulation at the end of 2015, Visa had 328 million credit cards in the US hmm. circulating. MasterCard had, had 192 million. Um, which is crazy. The annual monthly, uh, sorry, the monthly purchase slash spending volume at the end of 2015 on a Visa card is $341, and for a MasterCard, it's $283. It's a lot of money, yeah. <laughs> especially if you things, annualize that. One of the things I noticed with a lot of those numbers that you cited were that they were U.S. focused. Yes. And so with with some of these social platforms, as you might imagine, the most valuable markets are the U.S. market, the European market, so the, the North American markets. And the European markets, and then um, you know some of the developing parts of the world are less valuable on a revenue per user basis. It sounds to me like that's the same thing for financials. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Visa has actually just taken a big lug up on its competition by integrating Visa Europe, which oddly enough, not part of Visa before this um, last quarter, and they did that pretty flawlessly when all things are considered and the the metrics of the financial side of it, the accounting side of it looks really good and that's going to grow their business by like 25% in one fell swoop. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Um, one, one of the other things that they touched on that, that kind of plays into this this regional conversation we're having is 
the idea that a lot of vendors are, are using Facebook in developing countries, and, and that's kind of how they are creating an online presence. And then um, they're using the peer-to-peer on Messenger as a way to facilitate transactions that aren't happening. I think if there is a risk that you're looking for in any of this in the financial space, it's more in the developing markets and maybe tech companies kind of getting a foot in there and having that be the natural association that users have with payments rather than um, you know traditional bank accounts, because a lot of folks in developing countries are unbanked at the moment. You yes. probably know a little bit more about that than I do, Gabby. I know a lot about that, actually. If anyone wants a book recommendation, I have one for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Lisa Servan, uh, she actually came to Full HQ a couple weeks ago. She wrote a book called The Unbanking of America. Really uh, interesting book about how the middle class is kind of navigating being unbanked and underbanked in the United States. Um, but a lot of those lessons can be applied to developing worlds or developing nations. Hmm. Um, is it a quick read? I thought so. Um, but I also have a background in like social sciences, so I, it was really fast for me. It, it's really interesting whenever I go on Amazon to look at book reviews because like half of them are always like, this book was way too technical. And I'm like, oh, great. I probably will love this book. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're not into like a lot of numbers, maybe not the book for you, but I thought it was great. I think that's the right way to, the right way to qualify that recommendation. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, so before we get to our next topic, unless you had anything else to say about being un- unbanked, no, I think that wraps it for me. That's more your area of expertise. If you're ready to move on, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> awesome. Um, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Away. Away makes affordable, high quality suitcases that charge your phone and just and start at just two hundred and twenty five dollars. By cutting out the middleman, Away is able to offer the perfect luggage made with high quality materials at a much lower price, especially compared to similar quality luxury competitors. The luggage comes in a variety of sizes and colors, and they all ca- cost less than three hundred dollars. Two USB ports and a high-capacity battery allow you to charge multiple devices on the go. Phones, tablets, laptops, etc. So you never have to worry about a dead phone or flight fight for an outlet at the, at the airport. Um, Dylan, I know that Away has lent you a piece of luggage and you used it to go to South by Southwest. How's that going? It was good. Uh, it's been really good so far. The, the luggage has been great. My travel experience is not so awesome, although they were made probably quite a bit better by having that luggage with me. So we haven't really ta- had too much time to talk um, since I've been gone. So I didn't give you the rundown on what our flights were like out of D.C. This sounds like not good. It's No, that's, that's the lead up to um, <laughs> a terrible travel story. But our flight was late out of D.C. So we, we were about 45 minutes behind. And the plan was to land in St. Louis, let some people off, let some people on, and then continue on to Austin. And so as someone that was going direct all the way to Austin, I was supposed to hang out on the plane. And it seemed like that's what was going to happen. And then the engine wouldn't turn on as we were pulling out of the gate. And so they had to deplane our entire flight in St. Louis. And of course, we didn't know how long we were going to be there. Um, Man behind the glass from Market Foolery, Dan Boyd and I, wound up heading over to an airport bar and having a beer. at one point, I looked down and realized, oh, I've been listening to podcasts for about four hours on this flight and have done a decent amount of damage on my battery. I don't know when we're actually going to get to Austin. It's a pretty darn good thing I have a luggage bag that I can charge my phone with. And, you know, we didn't have to hang out uh, anchored to one of the wall outlets. We were able to just enjoy a beer at the bar, hang out, and beneath me, beneath the counter, I had my phone charging my luggage. So not such a great uh, travel experience but pretty awesome luggage experience uh, 
I'd say away kind of saved the day there. Wow, um, that is that is quite the recommendation. Um, as you know, I'm also a big traveler, so I will probably check that out as soon as I get paid again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's certainly worth checking out, especially if you're someone that travels fairly often. Um, yeah, and yeah. all things considered, two hundred dollars for a piece of luggage that is actually pretty cheap. Yeah, and it's you know if you fly frequently, it's something you're going to use all the time. So. Yeah, and I mean the other thing to remember is um, that Away comes with a lifetime warranty, so if anything breaks, Away will fix or replace it for life. And they also have a risk-free 100-day trial period, so if at any point you decide it's not for you, you can return it for a full refund, no questions asked. Um, which is pretty awesome. There's free shipping anywhere in the continental U.S., and Away has a special offer for all of our dozens of listeners. Hi, Mom. Uh, get $20 off when you go to awaytravel.com slash fool and use promo code fool at checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash fool, and then you also have to use the promo code fool. So, awesome. Okay, we're, we're, we're back in Austin. Um, you have your luggage with you in your room somewhere, presumably, but let's focus on this panel you were at. Um, peer-to-peer transfer, also known as P2P, just in case we accidentally abbreviate that at some point in the show. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I thought that that was another really interesting element of this conversation. So, one of the things that uh, Kahina Van Dyke from Facebook said was, Facebook's not looking to make any money off the P2P side of money transfer. And uh, a direct quote here was, we offer P2P for free, but it does cost money. And what she really means there is, they're offering this, and the whole point is we're going to eat these costs because we think it's really great for engagement on our apps and on our platform. We're happy to do that if it keeps people in the system longer. Yeah, that um, that's that makes a lot of sense. But that that's actually a really interesting point about like collecting data. Um, I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with Venmo. They're owned by PayPal now. Um, and they have this like kind of social feed that you can scroll through and see what all of your friends have been buying. So like it could say, Dylan Lewis paid Gabby LaPera for 50 pineapple upside down cakes. It's a frequent purchase that I make. Exactly. Dylan really likes pineapple. Um, actually, I don't know if you like pineapple, but I love pineapple. So maybe I would be paying you for pineapple upside down cake. Um, but there's there's this really kind of interesting aspect that sometimes people don't really say exactly what they're actually using it for. There's actually this really kind of sketchy feed called Vicemo where these people scour they have a little scraper that goes through the Venmo feed because you can see anyone's purchases on it. And it, it, it takes out anything that has any references to drugs or ladies of the night or <laughs> alcohol, basically kind of like any sort of illicit or less above board activities. And it just publishes them in a feed that you can just scroll through. But yeah. I don't think that that many people are saying like, yes, I am actually purchasing cocaine. They might do it as a joke, but I don't think it's real. <laughs> Yeah, it's certainly entertaining. I think one of the things that that highlights, and you know, I am a Venmo user, and I do the same thing. I mess around with my friends, knowing that my payments are going to be public, and will often obscure whatever it is I'm actually paying them for with a funny emoji instead. Um, is that kind of puts a ceiling on how helpful the data is that they're collecting on that messaging, and and really understanding what people are using the platform to pay for. Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing that's really interesting about Venmo is that. The, the adoption process um, and other social social commerce platforms is the adoption process is has a hurdle in that a lot of people trust payment processors like Visa or they trust their banks. 
but a lot of them have never heard of Venmo or Facebook messaging Messenger as like a way to transfer money. And they're like, is that really secure? Like, that's not really your area of expertise, is it? Like, your area of expertise is Facebook. It's not money. So I feel like a lot of potential users might might hesitate to to hop onto the social commerce, like fintech type space. Yeah, for as much as I enjoy <laughs> messing around in the social space and hanging out on digital media, I will not be giving Facebook my payment information. You know, it's just on my end, I'm happy to have one less point of access to my financial accounts. Yeah, definitely. So that's something to keep in mind. And one of the things, really interesting things about Visa is that it's one of the most recognized brands in the world and also one of the most trusted brands. And I don't, well, Facebook might be one of the most recognized brands as well. As well, I don't know that it's one of the most trusted either. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a great quote from the panel, and one of the people on it said, um, "People may not like their banks, but they trust them." And I think that when you're talking about financial services, that's really what it comes down to is you want your money to still be there a week later, and you don't want to have to worry about, um, you know someone logging in and liquidating your accounts, you know, because you're constantly signed into Messenger on your phone or something like that. You know, the authentication that it takes for me to get into my online bank account, a lot more hurdles there than it takes for me to log into Facebook on my iPhone. Yeah, which is one more argument for these tech companies using other other parties that are already established to help them set up these networks. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that's really interesting is that a lot of these things have not been monetized yet. Yeah, and and they are backed by big tech money, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Facebook saying that we're offering P2P for free, um, and it, it is some ways kind of a like loss leader, or it's a way to kind of keep people playing on the platform. You know, that echoes what Sheryl uh, Sandberg has said in the past, one of their executives, basically saying it as it's it's a way for them to enforce the activities that they want to see on Facebook and Instagram. It's not kind of a means to an end in terms of profitability for them. Um, They just want to see more people using their products. Exactly. And that's great for consumers, right? It's awesome for me to be able to send you money for free and not have to worry about it. But I think it does make the space a little bit tougher for your small players, maybe some of your upstarts. Yeah, definitely. I think that Venmo is also free for P2P transfers. That's actually how I pay my rent. Fun fact, my my landlords, I told them about it and they were 100% on board because they used to use PayPal, but they charged like a processing fee. Venmo is free as long as you're not paying via credit card. If you pay via credit card, there's a 3% surcharge. But as far as I know, that's the only way they're actually making money right now and they're still not in the black. And you know, they are, of course, a part of PayPal, right? Which is a large, large payment processing uh, or payment facilitation company. And um, you know they're able to get away with fueling growth, fueling growth, fueling growth with the Venmo platform because they have this underlying business that is really firing on all cylinders. Um, ditto for Facebook, right? I mean, they have this huge ad business that just prints money, and so they don't care what goes on with the payments on Messenger because it's such an inconsequential amount of money for them. You know, when, when you have that kind of backing and you can have these loss leader services. Um, it makes it a lot tougher for for those new entrants. Like I talked about, that what you need to do and what you need to be able to offer is going to be eating into your bottom line for a long time, just so that you can acquire customers. Yeah, definitely. I think this is going to be a really interesting space to watch going forward, and definitely something that we'll continue to cover at Industry Focus Financials. Um, Dylan, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Um, I, I have I still have questions. There will be follow up episodes where. 
Dylan asks Gabby questions about financials because he doesn't understand the segment. I would love that. Um, I think we should do all the crossover episodes ever. I have the most fun with those episodes. Hint, hint, listeners. That might be another theme week coming up soon. <laughs> um, as usual, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Contact us at industryfocus at fool.com or by tweeting us at mfindustryfocus. Um, Dylan, thank you again for joining us from South by Southwest. I hope your flight back is a lot better. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Um, hopefully Saturday is smooth sailing. And thank you very much to Austin, the man that uh, the city of Austin is named after where South by Southwest is taking place. He is today's producer. And thank you to y'all for joining us. Everyone have a great week.